0: Hey everyone, welcome to Season 3, Episode 6 of the Centennial Podcast. And tonight, it's a good old vent sesh with uh, myself, other Matt and Bennett here. We're going to have a grand old time. We're going to kick it off with talking about games versus the Dallas Stars and the Chicago Blackhawks. We're going to talk about DJ Smith's lineup decisions and... We're going to let Other Matt have a little uh, a little event sesh and rant here. And then we're going to talk about the Sens costume party. We're going to have a nice little, you know, happy, good vibes talk to finish off the evening. So let's kick it off with the game versus the Dallas Stars. Sens are on the road. So, you know, DJ Smith hasn't exactly had a glowing away record with the team. He always needs to get those home matchups to really make the lineup play to its fullest. But Gustafson comes in. The Suns get a 4-1 win. It's all good vibes. I'll kick it off to you, Bennett. What would you think about the game versus the Dallas Stars?
1: Yeah, this was a this was a really solid game all around for the Sens. Possibly the most complete game they'd played all season uh, in this very small sample size. Uh, Josh Norris scored a brace, as we would say in the soccer world. And, uh, you know, Connor Brown and Brady chuck both chipped in with goals as well, which is great to see both those guys open their accounts on the season. Uh, it was another good game for Basserson with two assists. Tim Stutzler like, continues to look fantastic uh, with the puck on the stick, even though he can't buy a goal for love or money right now. Uh, but that'll change. And, um, yeah, we had solid goaltending. I think it was Gus at that, that night, eh? Yep, it was, yep. It was, yeah. Yeah. He
2: made... Uh... He made 38 saves on 39 shots. Yeah, he
1: probably should not be asked to make uh 38 saves <laughs> every night. Um, but yeah, I mean he had a 974 save percentage in, in that game, which is which is awesome. Uh but again, you know, you you'd hope to be uh you know allowing fewer shots than that. But uh if it's gonna happen, you know, you, you want your goal to stand on, on his head, and he did, so fair play.
2: Well, I'm not sure I would say that it was the most complete game only because of how many shots they allowed and, and compared to yeah, that's how fair. many actual uh shots they they took i don't think they had more than 25 shots to be honest but they did uh they did really capitalize on their chances and that that's really what's most important uh obviously you love to see uh the frank the tank uh uh celebration by brady um you know norris showing that uh you know he hasn't forgotten how to score and uh batherson and stutzla looked phenomenal uh i don't know about you guys but batherson is turning into quite the player and, and very well could be uh way better than what his contract uh annual value looks like i was um, going to
0: say like Can we talk about the fact that he signed this contract this summer and the Sens now have him locked up till he's 29 years old and he's already basically, I I mean, I think after the game versus Chicago Blackhawks, he didn't register a point. I don't think so. uh, He is one short of point per game, but, he's being paid just under 5 million dollars and you have essentially a point per game player who's 23 on your roster. Well,
1: he's still a point per game. He has 8 points in 7 games played, 4 goals 4 assists. Four assists. All right. Well, that's so yeah, just dandy. And and that's in spite of uh, you know, getting nil and a minus 2 last night.
2: Yeah. And uh so I think, uh, that game, the defense played relatively well. I didn't think, uh, there were any glaring issues, which is, which is generally a good thing. Um, but I mean, uh, Philip Gustavin showcased once again, that he is a, a top tier, uh, goaltending prospect for the Ottawa senators and frankly should be on this roster. And if he wins tonight against the Minnesota wild, uh, Dorian might have some, some tough conversations with a the guy they just signed to a one-year, one-way contract in Anton Forsberg.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Anton Forsberg, when we started the season out, after he played against the Toronto Maple Leafs, he had that stellar start to the season, and... You know, in, in even in the next game against Toronto, he had under a 900 save percentage, but he came up huge on some really quality chances. So I think Anton Forsberg definitely had some good moments, but, you know, it might be his
2: time to be cut out. I, f- I feel bad. It just it's too bad just because I think Forsberg has is, is the definition of a goalie journeyman. Uh I do want to see him, you know, find a, a stable home. It just it didn't really make sense right from the hop. Um you know when they signed him to that uh that deal last last year, um, mostly because Gustafson came in and played better than him and why, you know why give him the contract? I think,
0: I think they just wanted him as insurance, right? Like we saw with Murray being injured or sorry, sick to start the season and being injured by Kreider. It's just a reliable guy to have. Like you don't want to have, you know, Mad Sogard having to come up and play in relief when he's not ready for the NHL yet. So I think he's really just an insurance guy. Like look at the Habs, for example, they had to pick up Sam Montembeau on waivers and he's not, you know, really <laughs> putting up quality numbers. He's never been above 900 in the AHL, uh, as far as I remember. So anyway, I think it was just an insurance policy.
2: Uh, That's fair. It's just too bad that their second best or first best goalie is going to be in the AHL for majority of the season. They can if, carry three goalies. Yeah, but what's the point of not playing two of them? Like, I can, I, I can understand Forsberg sitting and, and you know, toiling. That's fine uh, if Murray's starting. But, I mean, I want Gustafson to play games. And, frankly, if he's the better goalie than the the two others, he should be the one. And, I mean, also, in, in the words of DJ Smith, you ride the hot hand, you play the guy that's playing the best, blah, 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 blah. But <laughs> uh, how many times have we actually seen that happen this year or so? Only time will tell.
0: Honestly, though, I I do think that they put Murray in against Chicago because Chicago... is the
2: easier competition.
0: Yeah, like yeah. easier competition. But also, I think with Patrick Kane coming back, I, I don't know. If if I'm a coach and I'm playing Gustafson, and people are going to say, you know, well, you have to put up your, your prospect goalies against the toughest competition. And I totally get that. But, you know, if DJ sees the opportunity, first, play Matt Murray versus Marc-Andre Fleury, they used to be teammates. It'd be, it's a cool rivalry. You know, maybe Murray asked for it. I don't know, but you're playing Gus against the better opponent of the two. If, if I'm a fan, like I am a fan, but if I'm looking at the situation from outside the, the perspective of a Sens fan, I'm looking at. It, I'm like, okay, well, Gustafson's playing really well. Yeah, if I'm the coach, I do want him to play against the Minnesota Wild because they're yeah. the better team of the two. And if it gives you the better opportunity to win, then yeah, play him against the Wild. Like, yeah. So to me, it's kind of weird that people are like, oh, Matt Murray this, Matt Murray that. Like, this is why they're playing Matt Murray do- against Chicago and Gustafson yeah. against the Wild.
2: I don't think Gustafson would have won that game yesterday if if they played exactly how they played uh, in front of Murray because I mean. They were crap. They that was the least inspired. I've seen them play all season. Um, their top two lines were not performing. Their uh, you know, their defense was just was just not not hitting it. And um unfortunately uh that's that left them with a a five one loss to the I don't even like fuck them. <laughs> I, I hate that team. I can't stand them. I put up, you know, a, a decent bet that the Sens were just going to annihilate them, and you know it didn't happen. But shit happens. Yeah, uh,
1: if I can't any stand team them. team you were rooting for the Sens to just, yeah, dummy oh, yeah. This yeah. oh yeah, it was Chicago. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was unfo- definitely. unfortunately, uh, we were on the other end of it. Uh, yeah, it was a pretty miserable game. Honestly, I mean, I watched like two and a half periods, and I was, and then just wrapped packed it up. I was like, I. I got other stuff I could do tonight. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it was, uh, you know, it's like, if it was, if we were losing and it was a close game or even if like we were losing and like we were playing, we were kind of playing well in spite of it, that's one thing. But I mean, like, there's 82 games a year and every team has a half a dozen where they just don't They're mentally not there. They don't show up. It's like, it's a natural thing. I don't think it's like a problem because this team, like if there's one thing we can say about this team, it's like we typically don't need to worry about the compete level, Uh, but it's a long season and, you know, shit happens. Yeah. No, hundred percent.
0: I was going to add something to that, but now my brain is not letting me remember. Oh, I do remember. Perfect. Uh, So I think the first 18 minutes of the game, it was Ottawa's game. Like, oh, I think you watch those first 18 minutes and you're just like, Yeah, there's no way Ottawa's gonna like lose this period or this game. They're just on another level. Then the top line gets hemmed into their own zone, can't clear the puck, allow Chicago to get one. And I think from there on out, Chicago's like, yo, we're we're woken up. Like, let's let's get this. Like, we need our first win of the season. And I really think that Ottawa just lost tempo of the game, lost control of it, didn't control the pace anymore. And like, uh, whether people want to, you know, crap on Murray or not, for me, that first goal is on the rest of the team, not the goaltender. They just let him get shelled from every angle until finally he got put away. Like, do you want that third goal back? 100%. But coming from a perspective of a goalie, and I'm sure other Matt can speak to this as well, if you're being screened by two players in front of you, it is so hard. To see the puck, the ball, depending on what sport you play, it is very difficult. You're talking about tracking a puck that's what, like a few inches wide, like an inch oh my tall. god, he
2: had the prop ready. I Holy have crap. the
0: puck <laughs> in my hand right now. I this is an official licensed product of the NHL right here.
2: Yeah, I mean that the thing is 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 uh, screen plays in hockey are are so uh, difficult to to try and track. Um, so you kind of go off uh, a wing and a prayer sort of deal and uh, I don't fault last game on Matt Murray sure like you could have made an argument that he should have made some of the saves but at the same time like Sen scored one goal their defense was crap Uh, their forwards were crap Um, and there wasn't much redeemable about it so you 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 know, the hive mind is that they don't like the Marie contract, so they're going to get behind uh, crapping on the guy. And, like, I understand that. I mean, you want a player who's paid a lot of money to perform, and he just hasn't really um, over the course of his contract. And it's too bad because I think uh, I think he, he has all the tools to do so. Um, I just think... Ugh you know, he's, he's got to bounce back because Gustafson is like creeping up on just taking that number one job. And like, if he wins tonight, oh man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I know I've like defended Murray in the past, even during this podcast episode, I want Gustafson to take the reins. Don't get me wrong. My ideal situation for Gustafson coming into this season was to get the occasional start Even if Forsberg and Murray were the regular one and two, Gustafson gets some starts in here and there. And then next year, Gustafson takes on the full backup role. I think next year, the argument could be made that Gustafson, depending on how the rest of this season goes, is the starter and Murray's the number two. Now, I don't know what that means, you know, when it comes time to pay Gustafson his next contract. Uh, How long did the Sens sign him for... For this contract that they had to sign this summer, because he was an RFA, I know unprepared podcast so it was just the uh, the worst. Um, but here I'll pull him up on cap friendly. I I thought it was two years.
2: Yeah, it's a two year deal. Okay. Um, yeah. So okay. Perfect. Dude, and, his
0: cap hits only
2: seven hundred eighty-seven k. Oh no, he's paid he's paid pennies on the dollar.
0: Yeah, but uh, anyway, what I was going to say is the the year where he's due for a raise. I believe Murray has one year left on his contract at like what six and a half million or whatever it is. I'm not sure what the Senators are going to do at that point because let's just say Gustafson needs like a contract and is going to ask for six mil. Hypothetically, you can't be paying twelve mil on two goalies. Like, I, I know some teams do it, you know, like, well, even some teams pay 10 million for their top goalies, if you look at Bobrovsky and price, but you just, you can't be spending 12 million on your just two goaltenders. It's just no. So I'm not sure what the Suns do then, but I know that Gustafson is really showing that he's on his way to be the number one for this franchise. And that's huge.
1: Yeah. And one final thing on the Murray contract is, I mean, you'll recall last year, I think it was uh, when Anthony Duclair uh, decided to walk in, you know, through the grapevine and we can't, you know, we can't, uh, we can't confirm this one way or the other. But uh, reportedly, you know, Duclair had wanted a contract, you know, similar to White's because he was saying, well, I scored X number of goals more than White, and he's making that so I should be making that too and you don't want to have a situation where Gustafson is in those negotiations and he says listen I'm the real starter on this team I need to be making at least as much as Murray is who's my backup basically Uh, so I think by the time that they want to sign Gustafson to that big boy contract if he's still trending upwards if he's cemented himself as like a number one goalie uh, which is a big if obviously um, but uh, you know, if that situation goes to pass, they're probably going to want that Murray contract gone before they get to that table.
0: Yeah. Now, I will say that I mean, your point, regardless, is good. But I do think that Anthony Duclair came out himself was just like, yeah, I was not offered near that much money. But I think your point is still a very good one. I just want to let the people know that we have heard Duclair's side as well, and that we really don't know what the ask was on either way, on either side.
1: But yeah, well, he was like asking for something closer to the White Saturday. So I don't know why he was offered. No, but.
0: that was that was what was rumored. I just yeah, it. yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway. Uh so we'll turn
0: to DJ Smith's lineup decisions. Now Holden's come out for the game against the wild due to a potential injury there. Michael Delzato comes in. Now the weird one for me is Gambrel comes out for Watson. To me. I thought Gambrel in his first game, eh. But I thought against Chicago, he was fine. Like, he didn't really make any glaring mistakes, in my opinion. Just played a fine game. Uh, But Watson comes in, and Shaw moves to center. So I think that one, to me, is the weirdest. Because I would have liked to see Sanford, Gambrel, Watson. I I don't know what you guys think, but I just thought that was a little bit curious. So, other Matt, we'll start with you.
2: I mean... Honestly, I'm I'm pretty disappointed with these two line changes. Um, you know, Gambrell comes in, looks like an effective fourth line center. Um, I will say, Logan Shaw has looked a lot better, uh, but he's playing on the wing. Uh, we know what he can do at center, and and it's not particularly good. So, why why move him back to center? and have Watson come in when you already have an effective looking center in Gimbrell, And then you, you put Watson in and, and looks, uh, looks, looks decent enough. Um, you know, with that said, I think, I think the biggest issue here is, is Nick Holden coming out. Uh, I have been, uh, you know, checking Twitter and Ian Mendez is sort of, uh, under the impression that it could be and he did use the word could, be a injury reasoning, and if that's the case, it makes sense to to take Holden out on a back to back. With that said, though, if he's not, uh, Jesus Murphy, holy hell on high, um, <laughs> what are uh, Zaitsev and and Brown going to have to do to get out of this lineup? Because. From oh, what I, I can I know
1: what they have to do to
2: get oh, out of the lineup. Tell me. Uh
1: run over one of DJ's pets with their car or something. I think that's I think that's what it's gonna take. You, they have you to have run to. over run over DJ's ego.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean it, it makes sense. <laughs> like uh it's it's brutal having to to consistently watch uh Brown and Zaitsev. I will say Brown has really improved the last two games. But that's not saying much. It was like going from Daga Doodoo to uh, just Kaka, you know. Um, whereas, oh man, I'm gonna get ripped on uh, on our, on Reddit and stuff for that one. But <laughs> no, um, okay. and Zaitsev's just been terrible. Like I don't know if there's much of anything redeeming about his game. Um, and but the, they're two of Smith's guys. They're not coming out. And uh at what point do you need uh, do you need to have uh, Pierre Dorian step in and say, okay, I'm I'm done with seeing these two guys in the lineup. Uh, let's get some fresh bodies in there if it's either Lassie Thompson or Eric Branstrom. Uh, I think Lassie Thompson just has the edge there just because he's a right-handed defender. but I'm not sure if anybody can tell me that, Brown and Zaitsev would look better than Lassie Thompson if they're paired with Nick Holden. Um, Nick Holden has the ability to uh, uplift players that just aren't playing to their potential. Uh, we saw that with Eric Branscum in the preseason. Um, I remember after that Montreal game saying, "Like, well, this is the opening night. D. They are f- fantastic. This is this is the way it should be." And uh, you know, two of the guys that were in that lineup aren't. So, um, it's, it's really, really frustrating having to, to have this conversation over and over and over, but ultimately, um, you know, it's DJ Smith's, uh, coaching decision. Um, and until Pierre Dorian wants to actually see wins, it's, it's going to stay the same.
1: Uh, And I agree with almost everything you said. I mean, Zaitsev is clearly liability, despite looking pretty okay for most of last year. At the start of this season, he is just getting cratered on basically every shift. But the one thing is, I don't, ne- I don't necessarily 100% agree that he's one of DJ's guys. I think the fact that he's on a 4.5 million contract with three years left probably leaves dj's hands a little ties like do you only have you can only bench a guy like that for so many games before this the situation becomes a story and becomes something that the gm is going to have to deal with and the, by extension the coach it's like he can bench a prospect like brandstrom or he can bench a guy like Mete, who's on like 1, 1.2 million you know one-year deal. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, you can't just leave Zaitsev in the press box indefinitely. It, it, it isn't done. Other teams don't do that. And if they do, then that it's understood that that player's time with the team is, is over. And I'm not saying that shouldn't be the case with Zaitsev, but I'm saying that probably isn't DJ's decision to make. And so, yeah, just making that point.
0: Now, if we look at Zaitsev's contract, I, I, man, I go to this, I think, too often. I don't know if last episode I talked about Colin White's buyout cost, but anyway, if we look at Zaitsev's for this summer, it would be a cap hit over the next four years. For the first two years, it would be 2.8, and for the last two years, it would be 833,000. So it would be an initial. Bigger cap hit, and then it would drop by two million in years three and four. Now, I'm not saying the Suns necessarily need to buy him out. They have a lot of picks in this draft. They could talk to Arizona because Arizona loves taking those bad contracts. They could see if they could flip him to Arizona. Maybe I'm not sure, um, but I if think retain salary. Yeah, like something like if it, that. If that's like comparable or possibly cheaper than a buyout. Yeah. Now, Enzaytivs also owed two million in signing bonuses this summer and the following summer, and I mean, he's going to be gone before he's paid those. (laughs) Yeah. So honestly, I, I really think the Sens just need to find a way to get him off the roster for next year. I get it when they traded for him. He was a DJ Smith guy. They got Connor Brown as part of that package, which has turned out great, even though he hasn't had a great start to this season. It's been a great trade overall. And uh, yeah, so I I think you just kind of need to find a way at this point to shed Zaitsev because look at how well Shabbat's playing with Zub as his partner. Like, I know Zub had a rough game against Chicago, but Shabbat has been phenomenal oh, man. after being paired with Zub. Like, they they just look world-class. And I think, analytically, they're one of the top five, or maybe, so maybe it was top yeah. six defensive pairings
1: in the league. Like, yeah. That the is sh- insane. Shabbat the Shabbat-Zub pairing is an absolute delight. And I mean, Shabbat in particular, Zub is very solid and really helps uh, helps complement Shabbat nicely. But man, Shabbat this season has looked a totally different player. And he's looking exactly as good as we all knew that he could be. And, you know, he, he was a little rough last season. And, you know, I've heard rumors that he might have been dealing like nursing an injury for a lot of last year. I've also heard well, I mean, like I could also say anecdotally that like he was paired for Zaitsev all of last year, and well, you know, when you take the average of that pairing, it's like where Shabbat is and where Zaitsev, It's like they might have averaged out to something okay. When you have someone who isn't a complete liability like Zub, all of a sudden you see how good Shabbat actually is, and that's been that's been a really positive thing to see. But yeah, I I absolutely agree. Something has to be done about Zaitsev. He. He's clearly just not cutting it anymore. He's 30 years old. He's making four and a half mil for three more seasons, including us like two more after the end of this one. And uh, th- there's other players that need to be playing. It's just, that's it.
2: And uh, at what point will it change? Because, um, and, and I, I do realize your point about, you know, Smith, maybe, uh, Zaitsev not being a Smith guy, but at the same time, he has an A on his Jersey. Uh, he coached him in Toronto. Like there are definitely factors there that, that play into it, but he also called him an elite defenseman.
0: Yep. He said so, hard to play against guys, hate playing against them. Yeah. He,
2: he, said. he loves Nikita Zaitsev and that's, I mean, Ultimately, it's on Dorian for taking on that stupid goddamn contract. And sure, it got us Connor Brown. But how long would it have taken to actually just get Connor Brown in free agency? Because (laughs) the team we got him from is in cap hell basically every goddamn second.
0: I I think it's hard to say that, though, because he was an RFA. Toronto could have flipped him anywhere. And it was obviously for cap for cap Like Ottawa gave them what McCulloch greening. Oh no. Cowan, I, I
2: realize that it's like, just, sorry, it's brutal CC. that they, yeah. that they decided, they decided that this was the time. Like this was the contract to take on. Like, it's so frustrating that, that we kind of just have to deal with Zaitsev. Last year, he looked pretty decent at the start of the season, then fell off a cliff. He always analytically looked bad, but you know, sometimes the eye test is Wait, a little better. Sorry, um, I, need to,
0: I need to correct myself. McCulloch, Greening, Ka- that was for. That was for, for, enough, for right? no, that was, yeah, yeah, okay. For sorry. Who, and Cowan was in there
2: too.
0: Okay. And CC, and who else was for Zaitsev and Connor Brown?
2: Honestly. Uh, <laughs> I don't,
1: I have no uh,
2: idea. I feel like Aaron LeChuck
0: was in that
1: deal, Hold yeah. On he, he
0: was in like every deal between the Marlies and Sens. So, anyway, <laughs> I, I got that say, wrong, though. but yeah. in general, there has been a lot of salary yeah. swapping with Ottawa and Toronto. Yeah.
2: All this to say, though, um, it was a stupid trade that was made, um, you know getting rid of CC was, was important to the Sens because they didn't want to have to let an asset walk. But at the same time, there is net positive for your salary, for your team, by just letting somebody walk away. Um, you know, and, and that's, what's unfortunate here. Um, it, like, I don't know if you can be considered a contending team, even like a contending for the playoff team with our defense. Because uh, after the first period of last game in Chicago, Shabbat and Zub, above 70% Corsi. That's excellent. Um, everybody else, 34 and 35%. That's atrocious. Um, if you maybe consider putting Mete and Holden together, they're probably sitting at like 50%, to yeah, be they, honest with yeah.
1: you. I, I'd say they they would be good for about bang average.
2: Yeah, but when you put Josh Brown, who I'm sorry, like I I... I know I crap on the guy so much and people are like, Oh, you can't target Josh Brown. It's like, (laughs) all right, I'm a fan. I pay money. I can have a goddamn opinion. (laughs) Josh Brown, uh, just watching his game. I've coached hockey before. I've seen that his hockey sense isn't there. He makes plays in the defensive zone That are just like throwing the the rule book, like the textbook that you play defense for, out the window. He does things that don't make sense, and it bites him in the ass. Nikita Zaitsev hasn't been doing anything right for for uh, since his first season with Toronto, and I mean, ultimately, we were all worried. uh, I mean, at least I was when we were going to sign Zub to another contract because I was like KHL defenseman has one good season. But at the same time, I didn't watch Zaitsev. He just put up points in Toronto. He wasn't very good. Zub was just locked down solid defensively. Neither of them should be in an NHL lineup. I think they struggled to, to, to even like be on a PTO for good teams, but here they are consistently being put into this lineup. And this isn't all on DJ Smith. Pierre Dorian said he was going to go get a top four right-handed defenseman. And what does he do? He goes and gets Nick Holden, who is a solid as hell bottom four defenseman. And then on top of that, he gets I got screenshotted and outed by Lisa Ann, the DM queen, uh, Michael (laughs) Delzato. Like, yeah. 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 (laughs) Everybody knows that. that. (laughs) And I'm telling you, man, like, why are you going to get a a guy who's been mediocre his entire career who plays the left side when you don't need that?
0: And two years at 2 mil when he was making League Mint. Last season,
2: like I just every time I want to be like, okay, Dorian's making a good move here, Dorian's making a good move there. It's like he does one good thing and then just hucks it back somewhere else because he just needs to have the even of good and shit. Yeah, and,
1: <laughs> and like, a, a team can survive with one black hole defenseman. They can't survive with two or three. Like yeah. This this team made a conf- made a conference final with Cody CC in their lineup, and CC was not good, but the rest of the team could play around him because he was just one guy. It's like we've got, you know, we've got Zaitsev, Brown, and to a lesser ex- extent, you know, Delzado and Mete we've got three or four black holes defensively yeah. pretty much. Yeah, And it means on any given night, you know, half to two thirds of our defensive core is just complete, just complete scrubs, just complete yeah. scrubs. And, you know, it's, it's a millstone around the neck of this team with so much young, promising talent, you know, not even promising anymore. Like Shabbat, is playing now like an elite defenseman. Yeah. You know, Batheson is starting to look like a legitimate top six forward threat every night. Stutzler Hell, is starting top,
2: to top three. Like he's yeah. a top line. Yeah, yeah. Like,
1: like Stutzler is starting to make magic happen every night, not just yeah. every other night. And he is, hasn't even scored a goal yet, but this team cannot move forward with the defense that it has. It, nope. it, abs- it cannot. It cannot. And if, if
2: you're, if you're going to say, and tell me that eric brandstrom was the sh- like the 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 centerpiece of that mark stone deal and he can't even get into this goddamn lineup because of the coach that what else like i can't how many times are we going to have this fucking conversation uh, this is probably the fourth podcast i've had to say this like he's not going to get into this lineup if you have DJ Smith putting tall boys over, you know, short and effective. Like, listen, I love a good tall boy as much as the next guy. I'm having a Keith's right now, 473 <laughs> milliliters. It's lovely. We're not but being I'll tell you, this, by the way. I'll tell <laughs> you right now. If I had just one of them short and stubby ones that was going to get me drunk twice as fast, you bet your ass I'm having that one. Right, Bennett? Back me up here.
1: Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, I like a lot. I would say I like most of DJ Smith's coaching profile. Yeah. I think he has guys playing the right way, but he has the guys who are able to play, who have talent, can play the right way, and he can coach them to be better and to play smarter defensively and to get hard, work hard and get in the boards and stuff. It's like, he's great for that. And he has his team playing with you know, heart and cohesion a lot of the time, but he like, he has this one blind spot. That's just killing us. And it's like, he can't, he can't comprehend defensemen that aren't like six foot two. Yeah. Like he can't do it. Like he, he is looking at these guys and saying, yeah, that's what an NHL defenseman looks like in the absence of any evidence you know, it, you know, flying in the face of any you know statistical analysis, like, or even just the friggin' eye test, I could tell you, like these guys are not good enough to be playing for us. Like we're not a good team in general, like at where we are right now. Um, and they're they're not good enough for us. I mean, they they wouldn't make it into any other team in this league, basically. I uh, one thing that I thought would just be a fun little idea to come up with.
0: <laughs> you know, if this, if the senators were to try and flip sites of you know, and look for a right-handed veteran defenseman who can maybe still play, <laughs> I won't, uh, I won't completely gas up this player. Cause I don't think that they're, uh, I think they're a little past their prime now, but you know, would you look to a team like the Arizona coyotes and look at a guy who's right handed defenseman and Anton strawman. He's got this year left at five and a half mil. His signing bonus has already been paid, so his cap hits five and a half. He's not being paid that. You know, he only has a couple points in nine games. He's not doing so well overall.
2: Do I don't need that, points.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm just saying though. Like, <laughs> is that a kind of guy that you look and if you're the Sens and you're just like, man, if I can get Zaitsev out of this team for like, you know, let's say Zaitsev in a third round or whatever, take on Anton Strawman and. I don't know, maybe like Jay Beagle or somebody who has a bad contract. I'm pretty Listen, sure Arizona I'll, has. Beagle. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what
1: we got to do to get rid of or what we should do if we want to <laughs> oh, no. get rid of Zaitsev. Hit okay. me with a baby. What we shouldn't do is bring in another Zaitsev. Yep. and and I don't. I mean, in the sense of like, how many times in the last few seasons have the Sens gone out of their way to acquire defensemen with heavy contracts? You know, either a high cap hit or term, or a high cap hit and term. Guys who are not good enough, who were not good enough where we, where they were, and are not good enough to help the te- the team that we have here. And then they just become the new guy. Like literally, we traded CC for Zaitsev. Like, li- like we got rid of our black hole defenseman, like the sense Twitter whipping boy, and then we got the new Cody CC, which was Zaitsev. And then we're gonna trade Zaitsev, and we're gonna get the new Zaitsev. What I want is, I don't want to trade Zaitsev. I want Zaitsev to f- disappear. Like I like, and like, if we have to buy him out to make that happen, let it happen. Because what I want, I want his roster spot to not fucking exist anymore. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like I want that player. I want that to just be like a blank space that DJ fucking has to put an A NH- an yep. AHLer into. Yeah. I I want his hand to be forced. I don't want him to have a new toy. I want the toy to get fired into the fucking sun, so that we can then. He has to play somebody else. Like, that's that's what my my only
0: point was that Strawman doesn't have term. I don't care if it's strong yeah. or someone else. And, he and has that's, and this that's year. Fine. That's
1: it. And that's what, but but if we get Strawman, he's gonna fucking play. And it's like we don't want that either. Like we want that we, we want that spot yeah. to like disappear. Hey, like, I'm with you. A, when, I'm when you delete you. a when you delete a cell in Excel and this everything shifts up and that cell just does, doesn't exist anymore and everyone that below everything that was below that moves up, that's what we want. Hey, honestly, and, I'd
0: rather see like JBD Thompson if if that was yeah.
2: possible. I would rather see that. But
1: I think what's beautiful <laughs>
2: is is that um, you know you eliminate uh, Josh Brown and and hopefully Zaitsev. That's two right-handed roster spots that suddenly open up. Yeah. So um that's that, like Bennett you're you're bang on the money. You have to like this is how Dorian would force his hand. You wave somebody. And it's probably going to be Josh Brown. Like that right side is atrocious and it's not doing anything. I love the fire Bennett. I love it because it it makes sense. Uh you're you're speaking to the f- the point that if you have this roster spot that Nikita Zaitsev is permanently taking up because of his contract and you just say, nah, and get rid of it, that's suddenly a, a shift up, as you say. Um, it makes sense to just sort of get rid of it. And uh, at what point are you going to be a contender if you have dead weight like that? And like, don't tell me anybody has freaking forgotten that we are no longer a rebuilding team. We're not in a rebuild anymore. Okay, prove it. Yeah. Get rid of the dead weight because if if you have it there with Josh Brown and Nikita Zaitsev and honestly, I mean, like Victor Mete. At what point do we need to see more from him? Is it is it? Uh, will we see more from him when he's playing with better players? Or what? Uh, but like, I'd be okay if Brandstrom took out Mete, if we got to see Lassie Thompson at some point. Do something.
0: I, I think these decisions will come after the 25, 30, maybe even later than that. But I, I think it'll come once the Sens realize, like, at this rate, I know the Sens are only three and five right now. But if they things keep trending the way they are, like, that defensive core is is not good. It's not. So if things keep trending this way and they are out of the running by, you know, quite a few points, I think you kind of just have to accept, okay, like we're going to get another high pick and they're going to have to start giving guys opportunities so they know what they have for next year. You can't just let sites have take up a spot. You can't let Josh Brown take up a spot. You know, I, I like Holden. He had a rough game against Chicago Hopefully that turns around, but if Holden starts struggling, that's again another guy who, you know, you're going to have to limit his minutes, put him on the the bottom pairing, and put another young guy in. Like these are decisions that are going to have to be made as the season starts to unravel, if it does unravel. Uh, because yeah, like you can't just keep rolling in. Like it's like last year with you know Coburn, Coburn and Riley and Goodbranson, you know. And Riley picked up his game, but you can't just have these guys who are going to do nothing for your team are not going to be there the next season. And you have young guys waiting in the wings, like give them a shot. What's there to lose. You're not going for the Stanley cup. I don't know. That's, that's my take on it. (laughs) Yeah.
2: And, and they're going to have to, to make a decision sooner rather than later, because, you know, they're still within striking distance of being in a decent position in the Atlantic, but, but, uh, yeah, Montreal's eight and two, or so two and eight, but one win, and they've now tied us in points. So speed something up. Yep,
0: totally. Well, uh, after that little vent session, let's just take a second here to chill. All right, everybody who's listening, thank you for listening this far. I know we've gotten a little, little fired up here tonight. Uh, and and uh, the Minnesota Wild game is starting soon, so we'll, we'll wrap this up. But uh, if you haven't already, check out our YouTube channel, The Centennial Podcast. We upload all our episodes there as well. Uh, we also do monthly live streams with guests. So far, we've had uh, NHL draft analyst Will Scouch. We've had the athletic senior writer, Um, Ian Mendez. And we've also had Graham Nichols, who is the author and founder behind Roman a Day. So we get on guests. We bring them onto the YouTube channel for some live streams. You guys can throw questions at us. And it's a a ton of fun. Like I said, we've done three so far and we've had a blast doing them. So keep on joining in. Give us a subscription over on YouTube and we'll uh, try and keep bringing you some fun guests for the community to throw questions their way and just have a good time. Thank you for listening. And we'll do the last topic here, which is the Sens costume party. So the Sens had some solid Halloween costumes and we're going to vote on which one was our favorite. So uh, Ben and I'll let you go first.
1: Yeah. Uh, thanks. I- I'm glad we took- can talk about this because it's really fun. And, you know, as much as like we we're like ragging on a whole lot of our players, you know, not three minutes ago, it is nice to take a step back and appreciate it. It's like, these are guys playing the game they love, having fun, and you know a lot of them would be fun people to be around. You know, nice guys uh, to to hang out with at a party or something. And you know, whatever you say about to play on on the ice, you know, uh, you wanna you know, there's still people and you can still have fun with you know, with uh, they can still have fun and you can still have fun. You know, following for taking their, their Halloween the costumes yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so I I want to pull out a few really great ones. Uh, Nick Holden and his wife, uh, right off the top, this is probably my favorite. Um, They dressed up as a cop at a Tim Hortons drive-through, and so his (laughs) his wife Angela has like a little brick like facade that is like hanging off of her. She's dressed up in a Tim's uniform, holding like a mic. She's got like you know a cup of coffee and some Timbits, and then Holden's dressed up as a police officer, eating a donut with the shades. It's it's just perfect. And by God, please do yourself a favor and look this up because it's so funny. Yeah. Um, some other ones to highlight. Uh Thomas Shabbat, Nick Paul, and uh Chris Tierney and their partners uh dressed up as a marching band. Uh I saw the photo on Reddit. Uh they they all uh, they all look spiffy. I think those are real instruments too, by the looks of it. Uh they even have uh God, what's what's that instrument called again? Oh, oh my God! Sound... Don't ask me, man. It's not a. Uh, I'm really digging deep here. I know they've got they've got the alto days.
0: sax. They've got the flute, the trumpet, the clarinet, trombone, and uh, what? The bassoon is that what's called? Is that a no? That's not it, what's called.
1: Is that a <laughs> baritone? I
2: think it's a.
0: Baritone. Uh, it looks
2: like a. It looks it, like a baritone. Yeah, yeah the,
0: the bassoon yeah. is something else. But I went with the only musical instrument that
2: well, came what, to mind. Yeah, face. one's a saxophone, <laughs> one's a flute, one's a trumpet, one's a tr- uh uh one's a tr- uh, tr- uh, trombone. Yeah, we got the ones. trombone.
1: I think it's the baritone. It's the baritone is what's between like the trombone and the tuba, yeah.
2: um,
1: and that's what uh, that's what Tierney has here. Uh, I really should know this. My wife did play uh, play that instrument at one point. <laughs> All of our listeners have tuned out at this point, but uh, thanks for <laughs> yeah, as, as we as really as we really get. <laughs> we got we got away here. from the costumes and.
0: Yeah, into the instruments here.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, we've got Brady doing another Will Farrell costume. That seems to be a theme with him. Does anybody know the movie? I I didn't get the reference. That's
2: the other guy's. Oh okay. right,
1: right. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, he he's a uh, FBI agent or something. Or sorry, no, he's just a straight up cop.
0: Yeah, no. And but he's just got
2: the
0: he's got the female bug. body and. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, <laughs> well, I was like, oh no, baby, what is you doing, man? <laughs> and then you found another good, uh, another good one, uh, a spooky one, Matt.
2: Yeah. Uh my my favorite was probably the uh the Ghostbusters one with uh Tyler Ennis as the ghost and Michael <laughs> Delzato, Josh Norris, and uh and Drake Batherson as the uh the three Ghostbusters. And I'm just confirming it is the baritone. Okay, uh, okay that 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 is what they're playing. I'm also surprised they just have all of these on hand. You can just go, you can go to a music rental store and get them. Yeah, but that's a, that's an expensive
0: bit. Oh yeah. But I mean, they're making millions like they care.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. That's an nah, expensive uh, bit my, as a million. <laughs> uh,
1: I'm willing to bet that they either bought them second hand off Kijiji or something, or if they had siblings or cousins or fucking people who like were in band and they could bore them for a night. I'm gonna, bed. I'm gonna DM Chris Tierney, be like, "Hey, man, like I've been really
2: <laughs> looking for a baritone. Would you mind uh, slanging that my way?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey,
1: hey, what'll, what take, uh, what'll take me to, to get you to part ways with that baritone? <laughs> uh you love to see it, eh? You love to see it. <laughs> I think they must have just
0: raided the local high school.
2: Yeah, you have to wonder if if they did raid the local high school. Uh, well, on that note, everybody, it's been a pretty wonderful episode. Um, you know, Other Matt uh, is doing the outro, which is great. Uh, first time for everything. Um, uh, lovely Banta. Uh, Bennett getting, getting spicy was just something I love to see. Uh, you know, regular Matt uh, his internet being crappy is kind of a first for all of us. But overall it was a, it was a really fun episode. Um, if you guys could uh, follow us on on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, we're over on Reddit. Uh, Matt is uh, apparently dubbed Matt Murray in the Sens or in the Sens Discord. So if you want to go hit him up over there, uh, we're we're all about having fun, uh, engaging with uh, with you guys, and and just just loving just loving the Senators and Go Sens going. Cause apparently, the sends are about to be in session.
1: Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Go Sens, go! See you guys on the other side. Go Sens, go! Go Sens, go!